Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is January the 20th, 2023. Boy, oh boy, we're well into the year. Um, happy you could join me. The world has gone mad if you haven't uh, gotten the memo. And this evening, what I want to do is talk about other aspects about the immigration crisis that go well beyond the U.S.-Mexican border. Important as that border is, I don't want to minimize it. But it seems as though this is the only element of the immigration system that, for the most part, the media and the politicians are willing to talk about. And that's nuts. There are many holes in the bottom of this boat of ours called America, and all that the politicians and all that the media, for the most part, want to discuss is that one gaping hole on the Mexican border. That's not the only way that aliens enter the United States. That's not the only way that contraband enters the United States. Horrific as it is, and for the most part a creation of the Biden administration, but horrific as it is, there are other methods by which aliens and contraband enter the United States. I keep making the point that we are, in point of fact, a nation of 50 border states. And what is so remarkable is that now, because the aliens coming across the Mexican border have been dispersed across the country, lots of people are picking up on that expression that I've used for quite a few years, that America is a nation of 50 border states. Yes, we are all border states because all these aliens are going from Mexico into every state. True. Very true. Not the only reason. The point of fact, or the point of the matter is, or in point of fact, um, any state that has an international airport is a border state. Uh, you know, interestingly, when I did an investigation as an immigration agent, I was in Manhattan, I believe we were up in Harlem, and this woman looked at me like I was crazy when I knocked on her door and she said, immigration, this isn't the Mexican border. And I had to explain to her that I was looking for, if I remember correctly, a citizen of the Dominican Republic who we believe entered the United States through John F. Kennedy International Airport. And I asked this woman if she had ever taken an airplane trip out of the country. She said, no, I don't have the money for that sort of thing. I said, well, if you land at Kennedy Airport, you're going to meet lots of people uh, who are inspectors who work in those days for the INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, and U.S. Customs, which was back then a division of the Treasury Department. And she stared at me with her mouth hanging open as though what I had just said to her was incomprehensible. Additionally, aliens enter the United States across the Canadian border. We have a 95,000-mile coastline. Think about that. Not just the seaports, just the way that aliens run the border by entering between ports of entry. You have boats coming ashore between ports of entry along our coastline. There is no limit to the way that people who are determined to enter America will ultimately succeed in entering America. There are unauthorized landing strips all over the United States. Okay? So this all-encompassing... This is the issue. And once we secure the Mexican border, the sun will shine. Maloney. And by the way, I have to throw this in. 
increasingly more and more Republicans who want everyone to just focus on the Mexican border. We've got to focus that border. That border's got to be protected. That's what we're hearing. Are actually even raising the idea that, well, once we secure that border, then maybe we'd be willing to compromise with our Democrat friends from across the aisle to address what they want, but not until that border is secure down in Mexico, along the Mexican border. We heard this garbage almost 20 years ago. They were pushing for comprehensive immigration reform, and that's all we kept hearing. Once we secure the Mexican border, then we can start to talk about legalizing all the millions of illegal aliens who are here. When did border security become a bargaining chip? This is a question I raised earlier today when I was on Bobby Gunther's radio program over at WAEB out of Pennsylvania. And he said to me, he said, Mike, is it reasonable that once we secure the border or that we make this part of the negotiation? They said, no. When they talk about compromising, what they're compromising is national security and public safety. This is not a bargaining chip. This isn't, well, if we get around to it, we'll secure the border, and then we'll see what else we have to do. No. Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution promises every state a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. This is an invasion. And it just took 19 hijackers. I'm going to keep making this point as long as there's breath in my lungs. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor. 19. By the way, as an aside, published reports say we've lost at least 100,000 people to fentanyl poisoning. Fentanyl poisoning. Some people are calling it overdoses. No, it's not overdoses. People are buying other things. They're buying pots. They are buying other pharmaceuticals, in some cases candy, laced with fentanyl. That's not an overdose. An overdose is when someone takes a stronger dose than they anticipated and they stop breathing and they're done. These are people who don't think they're taking fentanyl, but they are because they're being poisoned. And the fentanyl flows into the United States, of course across the Mexican border, but it's coming in through the seaports. It's coming in through the U.S. Postal Service. It's coming in in the baggage of passengers landing at international airports. There's no shortage of ways for fentanyl and cocaine and heroin and other poisons like that to come into the United States besides the U.S.-Mexican border. Okay? The Mexican border should be secured, must be secured. It's in the Constitution. When Joe Biden raised that feeble right hand of his and took the oath of office, He promised to protect and defend the Constitution. Well, Article 4, Section 4 is a part of the Constitution, guaranteeing protection against invasion and domestic violence. Obviously, he could care less. But we're being told, once we secure the Mexican border, how does that work? How in the world does that work? We've got all these other methods of entry, and we have a system that is overwhelmed. As it is, they process millions of applications every year at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, very often without even interviewing the alien who made the application. It's a paper transaction. Immigration fraud, according to the 9-11 Commission, was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. And not just the terrorists on 9-11, but on multiple occasions, multiple situations, almost every international terrorist entered the United States by committing immigration fraud or visa fraud. And by the way, 
my very first hearing when I testified before Congress was back on May 20th, 1997. And the topic of that hearing was visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud because of the night of the 93 terror attacks at both the CIA and the first World Trade Center bombing. So understand that we know that immigration fraud is a big deal. And these people who commit immigration fraud, unless they're applying for benefits afterwards, but if they're coming in through airports and so forth, they're committing visa fraud. When was the last time? Think, think about it. With all the coverage of the Mexican border, folks, when was the last time you heard anybody, I mean anybody, talk about immigration fraud, people lying on applications for visas or immigration benefits? And I will tell you the last time. It was the, the 12th of never. It never happened. Nobody wants to talk about it, right? Nobody wants to talk about it. That's not something that they care to discuss. Why is that? Why in the world is that? Um, it, it's just astonishing to me. By the way, I, I want you to understand that the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel was crystal clear about the need for border security. But when it referenced border security, they mentioned visas. Visas. Aliens running the border don't have visas, okay? So the 9-11 Commission staff report that was authored by the federal agents and the attorneys who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission were crystal clear. Border security, number one, is national security, and number two, visa issuance process is part of border security. Let me read the quick paragraph. This is from the introductory first paragraph of that report, 9-11 and terrorist travel. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. You've got to wonder what nimrods they hired that they couldn't figure out that you need to keep the bad guys out of the country if you want to protect the country. I mean, just think about that. Who in the world runs these agencies, right? But they said no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa, they didn't say running the border. That, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be worried about aliens running the border, because we should. But understand my point. This is distraction. We're going to focus on one hole in the bottom of the boat and ignore 35 other holes. My goodness gracious, right? So they said even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons that we discuss in the following pages that it must be made one. So we're letting people in every which way. All we're told about is the Mexican border, and no one wants to talk about interior enforcement. Even former members of the Trump administration who routinely, routinely go on TV to do interviews never talk about interior enforcement. Don't talk about ICE. Don't talk about ICE, even people who directed ICE. I, I don't understand this. I'm flummoxed. I keep making this point. Once you get past the border, the mission of the Border Patrol ends. Their mission is interdiction. Keep people out. It's a perimeter. They establish the perimeter. But once you get past the Border Patrol, their mission ends. They do not conduct investigations into immigration fraud. They do not conduct investigations 
uh, into the employment of illegal aliens, unless we're talking about farmers and factories that are in close proximity to the border, then they do get involved. But Border Patrol agents don't go into the interior of the United States looking to find employers who knowingly hire illegal aliens. That's the job of ICE. They don't do marriage fraud investigations at the Border Patrol. They don't do visa fraud investigations. They're not part of the Joint Terrorism Task Force or the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force where I spent the last four years of my 30-year career. Why is no one talking about that? We hear a lot about catch and release, and people that are released tend not to show up for hearings. Why? Because no one looks for them. The Border Patrol is not supposed to look for aliens who've, been, who've entered into the interior of the United States and failed to show up for hearings. Those absconders, those fugitives, if you will, are supposed to be targeted by ICE. But we only have a couple thousand ICE agents, and most of the time they're doing anything but ICE work, immigration work. ICE stands for Immigration Customs Enforcement. What does customs have to do with immigration? Other than the fact that both agencies prior to the creation of DHS were border agencies, they could not be more dissimilar if they tried. Immigration was under the Justice Department. In fact, customs is under the Treasury Department. The primary responsibility of customs back then was to stop contraband from entering the United States and collecting duties and tariffs on merchandise that did enter the United States. That was their mission. That was their mission. They went after the drugs. They went after contraband. They went after weapons. They went after outbound currency. Not about people. People, that was the mission of immigration. And when Bush, and I keep making the point, when Bush created DHS, he folded in all these multiple agencies in both ICE and Customs and Border Protection that had nothing to do with immigration. By design, John Hostetler and I was at that hearing, I believe it was in May of uh, 2005, said that what the Bush administration gave us by the way they created DHS, in violation of the enabling legislation, by the way, the Homeland Security Act, the way they created it, splitting immigration in half between ICE and Customs and Border Protection, that wasn't in the law. They weren't supposed to do that. It was supposed to be simply, you know, the people at the border, Border Patrol, we were looking at interior enforcement, and we were looking at the inspectors at the airport, all immigration officers, period. I, I call that the immigration enforcement tripod, something I testified about uh, when I went before the House Immigration Reform Caucus in November of 2001, shortly after the attacks of 9-11. We weren't supposed to fold other agencies, and this was done to distract the agents and make it impossible to secure the borders enforce the laws or protect the American people. By the way, uh, that's not what I'm saying, that's what, and I agree with it. That was what John Hostetler had to say at that hearing in May of 2005. And you should know that John Hostetler, the chairman, was a Republican from Indiana. Uh, and he was at loggerheads with the Bush administration, as were other members of the Republican Party. They put country ahead of party. Imagine that. It didn't take long for the Republicans to defund Hostetler, though. I went and campaigned for him in Indiana. But he made it clear that the way DHS was put together violated the Homeland Security Act, ignored the simple fact that 9-11 and other such terrorist attacks were the result of multiple failures of the immigration system, not because customs failed, not because agriculture failed, but because immigration failed. You would have thought that would have been the laser focus, and Bush did everything that he could to disrupt and destroy any semblance of immigration law enforcement. 
Before that, by the way, you had Ronald Reagan, who not only gave us the visa waiver program at the behest of the Chamber of Commerce, gave us the diversity visa that was signed into law by George Herbert Walker Bush, and gave us a massive amnesty uh, that we were told as employees of INS would involve about a million illegals. We wound up with about three and a half million, and even that number is fake, because nobody talked about how many more family members were admitted into the country once we legalized the three and a half million. And I'm not talking about chain migration. It's a whole other story and even worse. When an alien is granted lawful status, they have the right, the absolute right to petition the government to permit their spouses and all of their minor children to enter the United States and accompany them here, which makes sense. Families travel as a family unit. Chain migration means that once you get citizenship, you can then petition the government to have your parents and your brothers and your sisters and their spouses and their kids to come to America, which makes absolutely no sense. No other major country does this except us because we're so corrupt and so stupid, okay? And there's no reason that families get split up. And we keep hearing, oh, my God, they're splitting up the families. They, they, they will never see their brothers and sisters again because they've come to America. Hogwash. Hogwash. They can get a non-immigrant tourist visa. When I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport, I can't tell you how many people came through my booth whether it was Christmas or Hanukkah or Easter or Passover, whatever, or in June, school graduations, people coming in from all over the world, every continent you could imagine. And I'd say, what's the purpose for your visit? Oh, my brother became an American 15 years ago, and every year we, we join him in America to celebrate Christmas or to celebrate New Year or to celebrate whatever, right? They come to America for a temporary visit. They could stay up to six months. They can be with their families. They're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to go on welfare. They're not allowed to commit crimes. And they have to go home when the time is up. And that's splitting up families. It's lie after lie. It's all part of this immigration con game. That's the purpose of a non-immigrant visa, a temporary visitor's visa. You can come as a student temporarily or as a foreign worker temporarily under certain conditions and so forth. Every answer isn't a green card and a path to citizenship. But we do admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year, which is more than the rest of the world combined, and they're immediately placed on the pathway to citizenship. But the whole point is no one talks about temporary visas, temporary in terms of non-immigrant, come visit with your brother, your sister, uh, go to that wedding, uh, God forbid, go to that funeral, spend time with your family and go home. But nobody talks about it. No one talks about interior enforcement. This is all part of the con game, big con game. So now you've got Republicans saying, well, you know, the first thing we got to do, we've got to secure that Mexican border, and then we can talk to our Democrat colleague. Why? Is border security a bargaining chip, optional? You want soup or salad? Ah, I think I'll have soup. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Border security is an absolute mandate because if you fail to secure the border, you create an existential threat for your citizens and for the entire country itself. Think about that. But look at all these politicians who get up there and raise the issue without any prompting. If only this administration would secure the border, then we could deal with our partners across the aisle. And what does one have to do with the other? Border security is an absolute requirement, period, full stop. No more discussion. Secure the damn border. 
make sure that we don't give visas to terrorists or spies or criminals. Secure the methods of entry into the United States wherever or however it may play out. That is an absolute requirement for national security, public safety, and the well-being of our citizens, and that is not a statement of xenophobia, by the way. And we also need to recognize the limitations that this country has, just as families have limitations, whether it's financial, limitate, whatever it is. We have limitations, and we have to recognize the limitations. If you're going to throw a party and you want to invite 43 people, you sit down with the list, and then you say, can we afford it? Is there enough room in the hall that we're hiring? Do we have enough seats at the dining room table? How big is our budget? And you may find out that although you'd like to invite 43 people to that party, you can only invite 21. Is it because you hate the people that you had to cross off the list? No, it's because you recognize the fact that you have limitations. I, I was just watching Fox a couple of uh, minutes ago before I went on air, and they were talking about how lots of airlines are now bumping passengers. What does that mean? They are selling more tickets for each flight than there are seats on the airplane, so they're bumping passengers. What kind of nonsense is that? What kind of way is that to do business? So it's a limitation. You can only put so many people on the airplane before the plane runs out of seats or you overload the airplane that it can no longer fly safely. Limitations. It's remarkable that now, as, as with everything going on in the middle of everything, and, and this seems to be the tactic, keep bombarding us like a shotgun shell. You know, it, it sprays everywhere and it impacts Gas stoves have to be, you know, outlawed. Electric. They have to have electric stoves and electric heating and electric everything. The power grid can't handle its load right now. They're looking in Washington on the lunatic left to only have electric cars. In California, they're telling people there are times of the day when you can't plug in your car and they have grayouts, right, and brownouts and whatever. Not enough electricity to go around. Every person who comes to this country, for whatever purpose, needs electricity. They turn on the lights. If they rent a car, they're driving, they want to drive electric cars. So with the shortage on the power grid, is this the time to bring in more people while we're telling everybody, no more gas ovens, no more gas furnaces to heat your house, it has to be electric, and we don't have enough electricity as it is. You know, my mom, may she rest in peace, gave me some very wise advice. She said, you don't throw out the dirty water until you have clean water. Would it be good if we went to an all-electric power system? Probably, but you have to figure out how we produce the electricity in the first place. So right now, for the most part, electricity is being produced by burning coal and natural gas. And we have some nuclear and some renewables, you know, wind turbines and um, waterfalls, you know, hydroelectric and that sort of thing. But for the most part, electricity is generated by burning hydrocarbons of one form or another. I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop and have everybody be told, go to your local uh, wherever and get yourself a box of candles, except you can't burn candles because that's going to pollute the air also. So we'll be in the dark ages all over again. We are doing one hell of a job of dismantling our country while China and India could care less about the environment or pollution or hydrocarbons or climate change, we are doing as a country exactly what China wants, exactly what the drug cartels want. Thank you, Joe Biden. Thank you, politicians. 
it makes no sense. We are weakening ourselves. I just saw a very disturbing report that said China right now could probably beat America uh, in a naval battle because they have more ships and they're building still more at a rapid pace. Years ago, I was uh, working with a speakers bureau in Washington, and the person who spoke before me was an expert on naval matters, and he predicted, this is about 20 years ago, he said, give China 10 to 20 years and they will outclass us on the high seas because their trajectory is to build many more vessels for warfare, submarines, aircraft carriers, using nuclear power, and so forth. We're there. China's goal is to overtake the United States and dominate the world. And we'd be in a world of hurt. The money would no longer have any value. You wouldn't be able to buy anything. And this is a totalitarian regime. And yet, you have idiots in this country who are doing the bidding, it would seem, of the Chinese government. And you have to wonder if it's because they've been bribed and now China is threatening to out them for having taken the bribes. You know, the mob, organized crime, has tremendous respect for law enforcement. They do. Until they get a law enforcement officer to take the bait, take the money, or, or whatever favor it is they're, they're dangling. And once you do business with the mob, you are done. They will work that cop or that law enforcement officer like a cheap hooker standing on a street corner. They respect you until you take the money. And once you take the money, you become their employee, and they are nice, not nice employers, and there's no fringe benefits, okay? And I think that's what's happening with China and our politicians. How many politicians have taken money? You look at Joe Biden with the Biden Center and how China apparently, apparently funded it. You look at the documents in Joe's garage, the documents in the Biden Center that uh, was at the university, and you have to wonder who had access to these documents and why did he have the documents and how much harm was being done to national security, not only where, with regards to China, but other countries, perhaps Ukraine. God only knows. We don't know. And I'd love to know how many documents may have been destroyed by Joe Biden, much the way that Hillary uh, destroyed how many emails and smashed telephones and all kinds of crazy nonsense. Leadership starts by setting an example. Joe Biden sets one hell of an example. In the old days, we had bosses who set higher standards for themselves, more stringent requirements for themselves than they did for the people under their command. Those are true leaders. You can't lead by saying, do as I say, not as I do. And you have John Kerry showing up in Davos in his private airplane where he screams, the world is ending, the world is ending. Every time I see Biden, uh, not Biden, but um, uh, uh, Kerry, uh, I, I think of Chicken Little instead of Lurch because he's running around like a headless chicken screaming that the world's about to end, just like Al Gore. The oceans are boiling. Really? I, I don't live far from the Atlantic Ocean, and I, I don't see the water boiling whenever I look over into the water. The oceans are boiling. We're going to alarm everybody into a state of panic and fear, and then we're going to rob them blind. I guess most people never read Chicken Little. The sky is falling. Next, you'll have Joe Biden and Al Gore and John Kerry and all these other characters um, opening up a concession, I guess, to sell Kevlar umbrellas because the sky is falling. God help us, literally. And so when you look at the impact 
of what's going on, you realize that we are being threatened from multiple directions, all because of multiple failures of the immigration system. But all we're hearing about is the Mexican border. And that includes the Republicans who want to help us, supposedly. Really? Coming back to something that George Washington wisely said at his farewell address about the dangers of political parties. These are the words of George Washington at his farewell address, September 17, 1796. And I quote, However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. So we read about the border and visas. Now you're flooding the country, Biden is, with all these people applying for political asylum. They can even do it on their phones now. When I was an agent, political asylum was rarely invoked because it only involved aliens from a narrow group of countries where it was routine for people to face persecution because of race, religion, ethnicity, tribal affiliation, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. I think I've covered them all. It's not because they live in poverty or the crime rate is too high or they don't like living in their country. It's because they face persecution or worse. Period. Full stop. And I remember being home with Megyn Kelly a couple of days after the Boston Marathon bombing back in 2013. And we were talking about asylum and how the Tsarnaya family got asylum. And she says, yes, you apply for asylum because things are so rotten over there. No, it's not because things are so rotten over there, Megyn Kelly. It's because they claimed that they faced persecution. Period. Period. And then, of course, as soon as they got asylum, they went on airplanes and, and went back to Russia. And, and of course, the Republicans, John, uh, uh, John uh, Goodlatte, or Bob Goodlatte, rather, who was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, proposed a new law because of this bombing. And what did he say? Now we're going to make it a violation of law. If you apply for asylum and there's no regime change and you voluntarily go back to your country, we will prosecute you. Did we need that law? No. Why not? Because lying on an application for any immigration benefit is a felony. And if it involves terrorism, it kills for up to 25 years in jail. So people say to you, another big lie, well, immigration law, that's just civil law, administrative law. No, no, no. It's like jaywalking. No, it isn't. The administrative side is about deporting aliens who shouldn't be here. The criminal side is like any other crime. It's like tax fraud or, or selling a machine gun or whatever. And, and the penalty for immigration fraud for an alien who's involved with terrorism is 25 years in jail. The penalty for reentry by criminal aliens is a maximum of 20 years in jail. I worked with Aldemata to create that law with a bunch of my colleagues at the old INS. These are criminal statutes we're talking about. Okay? So the idea that aliens would commit fraud is a big deal. And by the way, the Border Patrol does not do anything about immigration fraud. That is the bailiwick, the responsibility of ICE. And we only have a couple thousand ICE agents because of the way George W. Bush put things together and totally went against common sense and the findings of the 9-11 Commission and the dangers posed by immigration. It's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. And yet people don't seem to want it convenient. It goes against well, my party, and it's not your party, believe me. If it's your party, it's your birthday party. It's not your political party. I can promise you that. Okay? 
So instead of saying we need ICE agents to go after the fraud and the employers, in fact, when Reagan sold um, the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986 to the Congress and to the American people, what did he say? He said, we're going to turn off the magnet that draws the aliens across the border, and that magnet is the prospect of employment, because now we're going to make it a crime for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. And they did, but they didn't hire any agents to enforce the law. That's the little dirty secret. That's, that's the con job, right? Goodlatte didn't need a bill that said, if you go back to your country after you apply for asylum, we're going to prosecute you. All, he, all they had to do was prosecute the, the statute that was already on the books. If you lie, we can prosecute you. Isn't it self-evident that if someone says, I can never go home, please let me stay in your country, my life is on the line, and we give them asylum, and then they hop on an airplane and go back to the home country that they swore they could never return to, there's your evidence that the person's a liar and you can prosecute them. We didn't need a law, folks. We needed more agents. But, of course, they weren't about to do that then or now. Understand how crazy this is and what a betrayal this is and how dangerous this all is. So you have people that can now apply for asylum on their cell phone, and it doesn't matter what country they're from. Anybody, anybody, it's like, you know, if you ever read anything about about prohibition you know people went to speakeasies where they sold illegal booze so you had to knock on the door a certain way you know and you knock four times and then you say charlie sent me whatever and they let him in so now the magic words are political asylum and they let you in and then you disappear because there's no one to look for you and your hearing date is probably eight years from now anyway and eight years from now god knows if we'll still have a country Eight years from now, they'll have children. They'll be married. They'll say, listen, I'm part of society. You can't send me home now. Well, why did he let him in in the first place? And why in the world are the Republicans turning border security into a bargaining chip? No one's even asking them that. The reporter doesn't even have to say to them, under what circumstances would you vote for, you know, giving lawful status? They're volunteering it. If only they would secure the border, then we could work with our Democrat friends. Really? It seems as though in this day and age of rampant corruption, that when we hear the term um, bipartisan, right, the two parties together, bipartisan, it's Orwellian for collusion. Why are they, who claim to be tough on enforcement, turning border security into a bargaining chip. I want someone to answer that. You have an agency that can't do its job now, so we're going to task them with processing tens of millions of applications. No interview, no field investigation, and we have no idea who these people are except they snuck into the country illegally. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and, and then you, you look at that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, and they talk a bit about this stuff. And here's what they said. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud, exactly what I'm talking about. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming that they picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. So we have a truck 
being arrested by an illegal alien. This is for the 93 bombing, right? He then applied, uh, Mohammed Salome rented the truck using the bombing. Again, that bombing was the 93 Trade Center attack. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. The Yad Mahmoud Ishmael, who drove the van, again, illegal alien driving the van, containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, after which he dropped down and remained in the United States out of status. You have an illegal alien renting the truck and an illegal alien driving the truck, and states across the United States are giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. That's a recent development. After 9-11, everybody understood the danger of putting illegal aliens behind the wheels of motor vehicles. So we worry about car bombs. We worry about truck bombs, right? They put up big barriers, fire shredders in the pavement and all sorts of to prevent uh, trucks and car bombs. But we have no idea who's behind the wheel of vehicles. Brilliant. And then you can go further on and... Uh, this the whole business about interior enforcement. Uh, and, and so here's another part of that report, page 54. Although there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering in airports. And in so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, and on government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the, in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, Terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, which is what Biden has done with millions, millions of applications. for. It used to be there'd be a couple thousand a year. Now we're dealing with millions. The system has melted thanks to Biden. No one's talking about what happens once they're here and file those applications, right? And by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics would remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. So after 9-11, we figured it out. And what is Biden doing? The exact opposite of what the 9-11 Commission warned. It's as though he wants us to be attacked, perhaps. I don't know. I, I, I can't find a rational process that would cause anybody to do to America what this administration is doing to America. Finally, listen to this. Thus, abuse of the immigration system, this again is page 54 of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Are you hearing this anywhere but on my program? Any other network covering this? Yes, Newsmax has had me on, and I talk about this on Newsmax. Have you heard this at Fox? We won't even talk about the other networks. Why is this not being discussed by the so-called journalists? I want someone to explain this to me. And then page 61 Exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists, in July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connection to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, we keep hearing that term, corrupt government officials, 
human smugglers clearly have the, quote, credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. Now, here's the final one that I will read to you, and then I want to talk about China. Page 98, under the topic of immigration benefits. Quote, terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status. That's DACA, folks, right? And now there's a new form of deferred action for illegal aliens who complain that their employers mistreated them. They can also be given deferred action, employment authorization, great embedding tactic, right? As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. And we now have millions of those applications. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Let me interrupt this and make the point. They could remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. It may be years before these petitions are adjudicated. And how much time does a terrorist need to put together a terrorist plot like 9-11 or, God forbid, even worse, right? So they say that in many cases, the act of filing for immigration benefits suffice to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. And someone explain to me why in the world this is happening to this country when we should know better. I, I want someone to explain this to me because I am absolutely unable to comprehend. In the past, you could look at an action that a politician took and you could weigh it and say, well, I, I see why he would do it for this reason, but it's a bad idea for that reason. There's no justification to any of this whatsoever. There is no good news for any American in the actions or inactions that are the um, that are attributable to the Biden administration, the Mayorkas. And everyone's calling for Mayorkas to be fired. How many people has he put into key positions? You've got to fumigate Homeland Security if hopefully we get a different administration in 2024 because we are being driven off the cliff and we are picking up speed. And by the way, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. This is not a Democrat party uh, certainly not the Democrat Party I signed up with when I went to college uh, all too many years ago. And, and so now we come to who we're letting in legally and what impact this is having on, on China and on people who are in the United States of Chinese ancestry, okay? Understand that we are letting in people who pose a threat to the Chinese who live in the United States. Let me, let me read to you a headline. This is a Justice Department press release from just a couple days ago, 10 days ago, January 10th, 2023. The People's Republic of China, I'm sorry, People's Republic of China citizen indicted for allegedly stalking, threatening individuals promoting democracy in China. And it starts out by saying this. 
a Berkeley College of Music student who is a citizen of the People's Republic of China, or PRC, has been indicted by a federal grand jury in Boston in connection with allegedly stalking and threatening an individual who posted flyers in support of democracy in China. Xilei Wu, 25, was indicted on one count of cyberstalking and one count of interstate transmissions of threatening communication, previously arrested and charged by criminal complaint with one count of stalking on December 13, 2022. Wu was lived in Boston while attending Berkeley College of Music, according to the charging documents, on October 22, 2022. An individual posted a flyer on or near the Berkeley College of Music campus in Boston, which said, quote, stand with Chinese people as well as we want freedom and we want democracy. It is alleged that beginning on or about October 22, 2022, and continuing until, 20, uh, until uh, if I can get the words out, October 24, 2022, Wu made a series of communications via WeChat, email, and Instagram directed towards the victim who posted the flyer. Among other things, Wu allegedly said, quote, Post more, I will chop your bastard's hands off. He also allegedly told the victim that he informed the public security agency in China about the victim's actions and that the public security agency in China would, quote, greet the victim's family. It is further alleged that Wu solicited others to find out where the victim was living and publicly posted the victim's email address in the hopes that others would abuse the victim online. Wow. But this is not an isolated case. The Epic Times reported on October 20th, 2022, seven people, including two New York residents, have been indicted in connection with an alleged plot by the Chinese regime to coerce a dissident in the United States to return to China, the Justice Department announced on October the 20th. And Quan Tung, 55, and his daughter Anne Guan Yang, 34, of Raza, New York, were arrested on the morning of October the 20th and were due to appear before the district court for the Eastern District of New York for arraignment hearing in the afternoon, according to the DOJ. The remaining five defendants are at large in China. Yeah, well, don't hold your breath to see those. The United States does not have an extradition treaty with China. As I said, don't hold your breath. Six of the defendants were charged with conspiracy to act as illegal agents for China. People were in this country on visas. How thoroughly were they screened? I'd love to know what the visa refusal rate is by, by State Department under the Biden regime. Again, it's not just aliens coming across the Mexican border. And so you have people from China coming to the United States to flee persecution, flee violence, flee a totalitarian government that has no respect for human rights or human life. And because we as a country are not doing what we're supposed to do to protect ourselves and our sovereignty, the people that pose a threat to these Chinese uh, people who come to America seeking freedom are being placed in danger by the Biden administration failures. It's not just the Mexican border. I can keep on repeating it till I turn purple. It is not only the Mexican border. But when was the last time you heard any stories about that? I'm not done. National Review published a report. This was on... October 28, 2022. All recent stuff, folks. This isn't ancient history. Exclusive House Democratic aid fired after ties to Chinese embassy was revealed. Representative Don Beyer, who has been hawkish on China, moved swiftly to remove the employee after being notified of the activity by security officials. 
and, and it goes on, National Review goes on and says this. And our, uh, uh, the House Democratic staffer was fired after her outreach to other congressional aides, allegedly on behalf of the Chinese embassy, was revealed this week. National Review has learned after an investigation found that the staffer had acted improperly. Her boss, Representative Don Beyer, swiftly removed her. Quote, Congressman Beyer was totally unaware of these activities prior to being contacted by the House Sergeant-at-Arms Aaron Frischner, his Deputy Chief of Staff, told National Review in a statement this morning. Quote, as soon as he learned of them, he followed every directive he was given by the security officials. The staffer in question is no longer employed by the Office of Congress and Buyer. Again, we are allowing people to act on, the, on behalf of the Chinese regime to threaten people from China who come to the United States to enjoy our freedom, which is dwindling by the day. Are you hearing anything about this anywhere else? No, I don't think so. Then there was another one about a police officer. Let me see if I can find this. Bear with me one moment. Uh, Hopefully I have it. Oh, goodness. I thought I had it, but I guess I don't have it. No. I apologize, but I was was trying to um, find this article. There was an individual who became a United States citizen, Chinese citizen, concealed the fact that he was involved with the Chinese intelligence agency, became a New York City police officer, was assigned to a precinct that had a large Chinese population, and became the community uh, outreach officer for the NYPD in that uh, heavily Chinese community. What was he doing? Reporting back to China and trying to recruit people within that community to spy on the United States and to spy on their fellow members of the Chinese community at the behest of the Chinese government. And this was just about a year ago. So China has reached into the United States, and we are allowing their operative easy access. So for all the talk about Sire Mayorkas and all the talk about secure the Mexican border, Why are these other stories not being reported on? There was a woman who was an Iranian dissident who was uh, almost assassinated or or kidnapped about a year ago, and then this year um, they grab a guy who's standing on her front porch with a gun. They believe he was here to kill her. He was a soldier from Iran or or, or from a country that was uh, sympathetic to Iran. So here's a woman who comes to America. She's now an American citizen, as I recall facing death or kidnapping because, again, multiple failures of the immigration system that have nothing to do with the Mexican border. That's not to minimize the border. You know, it's amazing the game that the open borders crowd will play. So you want us to ignore the Mexican border, Mr. Cutler? No, I want you to plug all the damn holes. That's what I want. You only need one hole at the bottom of the boat for a disaster. And they only want to focus on one hole by, and ignore all the other holes. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that Republicans are turning border security into a bargaining chip without any prodding. Yes, once they secure the border, then we can have a conversation. Really? What conversation about what? Giving lawful status to millions of people who ran the border and then they could bring in their kids? We could be looking at tens of millions of new people getting lawful status, giving them equal standing in an overcrowded labor pool, and it's remarkable hearing about all the jobs that are not being filled 
you know, we keep hearing that we need to modernize the immigration law. One of the things that the people pushing for modernization of the immigration law is the clause within Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, that essentially says that you may not hire foreign workers. You may not hire alien workers. We're not talking only foreign, because a a person who has a, a green card or an employment visa can work in the United States, but they shouldn't be giving out employment based visas if Americans are ready, willing, and able to do the job. The idea is to not make Americans compete with foreign workers. As I mentioned last week, Alan Greenspan said we have to stop shielding Americans from their from foreign work from foreign worker competition. But the law says you can't do that. You have to shield the American worker. It makes sense. The Labor Department used to run immigration to shield American workers from foreign competition to make certain that Americans and lawful immigrants got the jobs, make certain that you don't hurt their wages. And here Greens to go 180 degrees in the opposite direction, and nobody wanted to report on it. And the other day, somebody from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is on Fox News saying, oh, my God, the Biden administration isn't processing applications for work visas fast enough for all these foreign workers because there's a problem. They're all being fired and laid off, so they need to find work. If they don't find work, they're going to have to be, they'll be deported. First of all, they won't be deported. They'll have to go home. They do that on their own. Deportation means the government orders you out. They throw you out, right? That's the difference between a patron finishing his or her meal in a restaurant and leaving. Well, the restaurant says we're closing and they leave versus the police have to come or the bouncer has to come and deposit them at the curb because they refuse to leave. That's deportation. If you leave on your own, that's just the way it is. If you're here on a temporary, and I emphasize the word temporary, temporary work visa, when the time is up, the time is up. And you got the Chamber of Commerce running around, oh, my God, they're going to make these people leave. We need these foreign workers. Why not see in the, the lower numbers of people being employed uh, an opportunity to make sure that Americans get first shot at the jobs? This is supposed to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people. I guess now it's the people that buy the government. The whole point to the immigration laws is to protect the lives and jobs of Americans. And these politicians, Alan Greenspan, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, wants to turn that on its ear. The hell with Americans. The hell with Americans. Corporations need what they need. And that's why I've taken a position that it's time to end this policy of America first. If you've heard me say it before, you know where I'm going with this. If not, you're probably scratching your head and thinking, what's wrong with Mike Cutler? Well, America first, folks, in my world, really focuses on the companies, the employers, the mega wealthy. They're getting what they want. Instead of America first, the the policy should be Americans first. We, the people, should come first. So you don't have this nonsense of let's hire foreign workers and make Americans compete so we can chop their wages and we can displace them because the foreign workers will work under worse conditions with no perks, no fringe benefits. That's a prescription for a disaster, folks. An absolute bloody disaster. Untenable. Completely untenable. That's why we need to have a policy that emphasizes Americans first. Because America first means General Motors, means Facebook, means all these characters, Amazon, 
the hell with the average American worker or the average American family. And, and that's how we are in the situation that we are in. We've got to focus on what is in the best interest of the average American citizen. Live up to that credible vision of Abraham Lincoln, of our country being a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. It was so aspirational and so on point. That's where America needs to go, and we the people need to get our voices heard. But please don't look at somebody and say, oh, that person's a Republican, that person's a (laughs) Democrat. Bad choices, apparently. Look at the individual candidates and what they stand for. Look at what their policy goals are. And the simple question that should be asked of any politician on any level in government is how are your policies in the best interest of the average American? Not a hard question. And these are the issues that we should be discussing with our neighbors, not confrontationally, because I really believe that if you sit down with your neighbor, and I don't care about political parties, parties should be irrelevant. And you just ask them, what are their dreams? What are their wishes for their children? What are their concerns for their grandchildren? I guarantee you that nine out of ten times, all Americans, will be on the same page. All Americans have the same dreams and the same fears and the same aspirations. We want to live in a secure country. We want to get the criminals off the street. We want to make certain that any American who's willing to study hard, work hard, and benefit from a little bit of good luck has a real shot at at succeeding, excelling, living the American dream. When you flood this country with foreign workers, and you make it increasingly difficult for skilled Americans to get the jobs, you're, you're taking away incentives. There's no reason to go to college and study to be a high-tech worker if at the end of the day that job is going to go to a foreign worker who will work for a fraction of what an American would expect to be paid. We've become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And along the way, we've undermined national security, we've undermined public safety, We've shattered the American dream, and we're creating a nightmare for our people. And all the while, China and America's adversaries are off in the wings, cheering like crazy and doing cartwheels because our politicians are apparently doing their bidding, their bidding. Not representing America or Americans, but helping China to bring its dangerous dreams to fruition. Please get involved, folks. I'm so happy that you joined me this evening. If you like the program, please click on the link for the podcast, forward it to as many people as you can. Be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth, because as I always like to make the point, democracy is not a spectator sport. Wherever you are, I hope you stay warm. hope you stay safe. Have a great weekend, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long, everybody. Good night.